My Michelle Live, Sports Time Out. The fans, the field, not the on the Zoom. The fun. Oh, Here's Michelle. So you can kill the recording and okay. we can re-record. Well, no, because we're streaming live. Thanks, Garrick. Oh. But... <laughs> <laughs> You could just kill the live. That's bad. Hey, it's sports time out today, and uh, here we are. You can only kill the live because if it's not live, live. then you can't kill it. We're going to be taking on a lot of sports of the week and looking for a deeper story, as we always do. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it is time for sports. Sports. Welcome to my Michelle Live Sports Time Out. Let me introduce you to our round table of fellas. And well, I'm not quite a fella, but that's okay. I'm I'm just one of the guys. We've got Garrick Peng. He is a pastor, a chaplain, a coach, a prolific soccer player, and he is joining us from Italy today. Welcome. Live from Naples. There you go. We have author, sports reporter, and sports photographer, Brent Baker, where if you go to brentrbaker.com, you can get a copy, a pre-copy still of his book. Nope, this is the real deal. Oh, it's It's launched. Where's my copy? It is launched. I'm I'm reading it again upstairs. it's called Breaking Yesterday. It's sci-fi coolness at its best. It is an extraordinary, extraordinary book. You should pick it up. Our sports authority, and you'll often hear him as our man on the street on our My Michelle Live uh, podcasts. He is an all-around cool guy and our official Wookie Joshua McMillan. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey. What up? <laughs> We're live now. You guys are just being shy. What's going on? What is live may never die. <laughs> well, okay. So here's a, here's an interesting news story. And to me, it ties into sports. But then again, almost everything does. Planet Earth. Planet Earth is the quietest that it has been in decades. Quiet and calm. It says it's because lockdowns have reduced seismic noise. And I think if you look at, oh, I don't know, some of the seismic activity that has come from sports, you know that like Seahawks, Seahawks fans, as I broadcast from Seattle here, are renowned for our deafening volume. In fact, the outdoor stadium, uh, which was formerly known as Clink, you know, it's kind of like Prince there, the uh, stadium formerly known as Clink, uh, has twice held the Guinness Book of world records for the loudest crowd roar in 2013. It was 136.6 decimals. In 2014, a little louder at 137.6 decibels. And to put it in perspective, a crazy loud off the charts rock concert usually gets around 120 decibels. So it's crazy. And we've had seismeticians, is that the word you use, from the University of Washington? Seismologists. Oh, there you go. <laughs> we all corrected you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, they, the seismologists from the University of Washington had gone to the stadium registering the seismic boom. So it's pretty, it's, it, it's sports being changed up has really 
affected not only our lives, not only sports in general, but maybe even the planet? I don't know if that science works for me. <laughs> it only works if we're considered a virus. <laughs> I mean, there are less cars driving. There is less sports happening. There's, but if, and, and I, I didn't read the article, so I'm not sure about what measurement they're taking and whether or not it's from space it's or. just quieter. It's been the quietest it's been in decades, and uh, they are attributing it to corona. Whether you like the science or not, there's something happening, and I'm going to blame it on sports. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think it could be quieter, um, but, but if you want to kind of go deeper there there you can also say it's a lot louder from all the the screams of people inside their <laughs> <laughs> their pandemic uh, our bubbles quarantine zones yeah in, in our little bubbles i'll tell you what's not quiet though um the 2021 off season of the nfl it's looking a little bit crazy it's looking like do you guys remember back in 1999 1999 was one of those years where there were if i remember right and our sports encyclopedia guy isn't here today to correct me so i can basically say anything i want uh, i think it was 16 out of the 30 teams that played back in 1999 had changed their starting quarterback and right now what do we have we have like the Detroit Lions booted Matthew Stanford they got Stafford. a bunch of draft Stafford. Uh, Stafford I'm sorry they got a bunch of draft picks and uh and Jared Goff yeah and Jared Goff um the Eagles uh Carson went to the Colts. That's official now, right? Yeah, Carson Carson, Carson went to the Colts, yes. All right. Carson and, and Wentz went. Carson Wentz. <laughs> he, yep. he wins. And the Eagle the Eagles actually are paying a lot of money to not keep Carson Wentz, too. It's really remarkable. <laughs> what the heck? Something like they're gonna take something like a forty million dollar cap hit, hit as part of this trade. Um, and it, it's perfect for Indianapolis. I mean, Philip Rivers gave him the, the last year of his career and retired, and they really didn't have a great option. I know they were really pursuing Matthew Stafford as well um, that the Rams ended up with. But uh, I think the big yeah, thing Jared for Car leaving too. Yeah, well, I, Car Carson Wentz in Indianapolis could be a good fit um, because he has relationships there that have, have worked with him earlier in his career. Um, so, and that's a guy that, man, a couple of years ago, he was an MVP candidate and now he's just broken. And I mean, you know, mentally, he just isn't the same player that he was. And whether it was because his relationship with his coaching staff broke or the fact that really they had no receivers for him to throw to, um, I think for him, it potentially could be a really good move. And for the Colts, it could be a really good move, too. OK. And what, what else is going on out there that you guys have heard word of? I mean, well, oh, what about some of the retirements? I mean, we don't know for sure, but there's always those rumors of Brady, Breeze, uh, who else that might be on the chopping block or for themselves going into retirement. I mean, there's there's that to take into consideration. Um, Jacksonville, uh, what if Ma Miami gets Deshaun Watson? I mean, there's a lot happening there in the background. 
Yeah, people want Russell Wilson traded. I mean, it's a crazy year. <laughs> okay, not <yeah>. too many. <laughs> and, and no, and and there's been a lot of rumors about that. What was the latest one that he's he wants to get traded to Dallas? Why why would anyone want to get traded to Dallas? But it wasn't just this. This is the thing that I'd like you guys to weigh in on. Uh, the news story wasn't that Russell Wilson wants to get traded to Dallas. Was that Russell and Ciara want? to get traded to to Dallas. Yeah. What when does she, what position does she play? Yeah. Well, she she's uh she's Russell Wilson's boss. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, between I like I feel like between Sierra and Mark Rogers his agent like they've tried to pull him in so many different directions and you heard him on the Dan Patrick show when he was talking about how he's tired of getting hit and all that. Like if you listen to him he sounds nervous. Like he doesn't sound like he's in his element there. You know, like his whole brand has been like the good man brand, right? Like he's all about being the good guy. And this was him being the bad guy complaining about on the Dan Patrick show. And he didn't seem comfortable. And it really feels like this isn't what he wants to do. This is off brand for him. He doesn't like throwing people under the bus and doing all that. It's, wow. He's not a good bad guy. You know, like he, he doesn't play that role well. And you it really showed like he didn't sound comfortable and it felt forced. And you see people talking about it afterwards. Like most people don't like what he's doing here because he's, uh, is he wrong that he needs better protection? No, he's not wrong. I mean, he does need to play a little bit better to not take the sacks. He holds on to it too long, I think sometimes. But aside from that, like he's, he's playing the part of a bad guy that does not behoove him and national media and fans for the most part uh, kind of agree with that statement but i think wow, that, that's i good, think a Josh, lot that's i think good. i think a lot of it got blown way out of proportion and what we don't is, do that in our society right, yeah, right. so well i mean if you break down what he said <laughs> if you break down what he said about getting he didn't want to get hit as often people are taking that as him throwing the offensive line under the bus and that is definitely one element of and it the, and the His offensive line they His weighed in. Line... A lot of the of the folks on the line weighed in and said, "No, he's perfectly right in saying that." Yeah, I mean, those That's are the some kind of, of it... things you're talking about on the sidelines, anyway. Come on. Some of this, I mean, some of it's, and he even said this in that same interview. Some of it's holding onto the ball too long, and why is it some of that oh, happening? Right. Well, mm -hmm. why does some of that happen? As we've talked about before, the offense stagnated in the second half of the season to where they didn't adjust to what defenses did with the cover two that that shut down DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. So all of a sudden his receivers weren't getting open. So that leads to you hanging onto the ball longer, which leads to you getting hit more often. And when you're a guy that moves around a lot, um, that is harder for a line to, to manage because you can't see behind you to know exactly where he's at. A pocket passer is easier to block for. Uh, so that's part of what's going on here, but. Well, the lack had, of a mid game. Exactly. And that was where they failed to adjust. They, you know, they, they didn't use guys like Freddie Swain or even Lockett to throw a little seven yard slants or whatever, instead of going for the big play all the time. I think if he hadn't, if Schottenheimer were still here, Brian Schottenheimer were still here, or if Russell Wilson had not had a major part in hiring the next offensive coordinator. I think I'd be a lot more concerned about the direction this was going. Hmm. Um, unless, I mean, I guess it's possible behind the scenes. He didn't have much say in it. I'm not getting that impression. I just feel like most of this is a media invented circus and he hasn't really been in the center of one of those before. And I don't think he really maybe is getting the best 
advice in managing it. Well, here's the th- problem. It's not a media invented circus. It's a Russell Wilson camp, AKA Mark Rogers invented circus. Cause he also, there was Colin Cowherd says that he can tell us this from Russell Wilson, that he's unhappy with Pete Carroll. Right. And that, that is not Mark Rogers used Colin Cowherd and a couple other media outlets extensively during the contract negotiations. Mark Rogers is a cancer that Russell Wilson needs to get rid of because it's a bad look for him, but and it's causing a division where I don't think Russell Wilson wants division, right? Like it's being spun this way because that's the way that his camp keeps telling the media that it is. And I think we're, we're all very aware who his camp is. It's his, his agent that wants to say, oh, well, Russell Wilson wants to leave Seattle. You know, he's, he's out of here. You know, we heard that how many times during his last contract negotiation? It's not like – it's just poorly managed, and I don't – I mean, you got to blame Russ for keeping a guy like that around but and listening to the bad advice. But, you know, I what I want to do – I want to ask Russell Wilson, can I just be your no guy? Can you just hire me to be the guy that stands there and says, nah, whenever people come to him with bad ideas, like, and not just Mark Rogers and how he wants to handle things. I want to be the no guy for people that want to make eats a ball or, you know, all the other ridiculous things that he's been funding is his right. entrepreneurial spirit. I just want to sit there and be like, no, I got you. Let me just tell everyone. No. You know, I don't you, don't you, don't story. you think that, sorry about that. Don't you think that like, like personal loyalty, I mean, I, I, I don't advocate being disloyal, but personal loyalty to the wrong people has brought down more guys once they've made, made it big, it seems like. You've oh, got yeah. your buddies, you've got your agent, whoever, and when they start making bad decisions for you, it's like, well, this is my guy, so I kind of, you know, I, I got to support my guy. I got to support my camp. They've been there for me. I need to be there for them. It's like, okay, all of a sudden you're you're um, you're making more than the gross national product of a third of the countries in the world. You need <laughs> competence, not just a buddy to run your to run your operation. Okay, here. and so what does yeah. it, also playing off of what you just said? How does the superstar status? I mean, and then uh, if you look at the Wilsons Daily, they have these pictures of. Have you guys seen them on Facebook? Pictures of themselves, you know, sometimes half dressed, and um, one yesterday, CR with her rose and showing off her hiney, and it's like, okay, you know, there's that's that's fine. That's part of their superstar status, but. Um, I guess what I'm asking is, where Russell Wilson is concerned, part of uh, his charm and part of his, uh, his I don't know, overall, who is Russell Wilson has been, he's been a relatable guy, and he's turned mm-hmm. into a superstar. Uh, does that go to his head? I can't imagine that, that he's not the kind of guy, in my opinion, where that kind of thing goes to your head, but you got to wonder. Well, he is human last time I checked. And so, I mean, <laughs> we saw that during the NFL season where um, the calm, cool Russell got rattled. And so, right. I mean, we're, we're all human. 
And yeah, yeah, and and I'm not saying that that as a superstar you don't put out, you know that. But what are you putting out? What are you identifying as? What are you connecting with to say this is who I am? Um, and that's what we see from superstars. So I'm not slamming the Wilsons at all. You know, they're they're going to do what they're going to do. I'm just saying that um, I guess it leads me into something maybe a little deeper that we can face off on, and that is. Our identity. We seem to, in America especially, uh, in the Western culture, we are trying to find our identity. I identify as this. This is this is who I am. And some of those things, in my opinion, are are temporal. They're things based on shifting sand. They're they can even be, uh, I don't know, unfulfilling. And I'll give you an example. Ryan Russell. Um, he is one of the first players from the LGBT community uh, to be featured in a regular season NFL game. He's played, um, he, he's, he, he had an elbow injury, which took him out last year. Um, he, he has come out as being bisexual, right? And part of why he says he did that is that I my identity was built up in football. Now, you know, when I almost lost that career, I had to find, you know, well, who else am I? What can I identify as? So I wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about that identity in sports. What do I identify as? What happens when you no longer have your career, who are you? And where do we find a, a real identity? Please, though, don't this everybody is... talk at once. <laughs> because that kind of, it's annoying for the audience. <laughs> well, I just speaking from ex some experience, not on the specifically the LGBT side, but um, for 15 years, I did sports writing and, and photography and newspapers and websites in Michigan. And about 10 years ago when the economy collapsed there, all of a sudden that was all gone. We had to move. My wife got another job and it was, it wasn't until that was gone. I mean, we got here and I here in Eastern Washington and I did not have anything that I was here for, except my wife got a job. And that was a rough year, just internally, just like evaluating who I was separate from the sports guy. I mean, I had a pretty, pretty big foot. I had a pretty good footprint in Michigan. I could walk into to gyms, you know, in a hundred mile radius and people would know who I was. I even had signs up every now and then that had my name on them because kids wanted their pictures taken. <laughs> but, you know, and that can that can go to your head a bit, I'll admit. So poof, it was all gone. So. I, I can understand, um, and, and I, it's not like I had no faith in Jesus at that time. I had that, but at the yeah, same time, I had, but I had been. We I had become as a lot of things. You know, you can identify. Right. I had become as a defined by that. I had yes. become defined by that. And, and we and, do that as parents. And then oh, if yeah. you're, when your kids, you know, you have an empty nest, then it's like, well, who am I now? You can uh, identify with uh, your marital status. And if that changes, who am I now? You can identify, as you mentioned, with your job. And if that goes away, who am I now? So it, it is uh, uh, something that we all struggle with. Uh, what do we identify as? We do see it put 
in the forefront a lot, though, in sports, uh, Colin Kaepernick, there was a piece actually in USA Today. Alex Smith was saying that Kaepernick's absence from football is a tragedy. And it happened because the country just wasn't ready for him. Nobody was ready. He was uh, sitting there trying to tell people um, through what uh Smith says was a completely peaceful manner that there's problems in the country. And he uh, it's been alluded to because he identifies as someone who wants to make a difference. He's being ignored. Another uh, person uh, that we can uh, identifies with being a woman and being black is St. Marshall. He's gone from Berkeley's first black cheerleader to the first black woman CEO in the NBA. And we put a lot of emphasis on that and say, great. But I think it goes back to, well, what are we identifying as? It's great to champion something, but those things can change with, you know, a snap of a finger. Josh? Yeah, no, I mean, I agree with all you're saying. It's it's a interesting world we live in these days where we've conflated everything with politics so much in every realm. And I was actually, I think I sent you this, but there's a guy, Eckhart Slatter on YouTube, who's a big Star Wars guy. Yes, yes. He didn't talk about what his politics on the matter was, but he was talking about like the Gina Carano thing and how politics have invaded it. And he said, he was saying, you know, like I used to engage in these discussions politically, but I'm just tired of it. I remember a time when we could all talk about issues, when we could all sit down and discuss it without villainizing each other. Do you remember when Star Wars wasn't political? When it was just one of the, probably the coolest movie that had ever come out back in what, 1974, whatever, I don't know. (laughs) But yeah. it was it was just once the, okay seventy seven <laughs> I don't know I don't know um, when it was just the coolest show the movie that had ever come out and you, you traded little Star Wars figures and waited a decade for the next movie to come out you know that's that back in the day for those of you who don't know Star Wars didn't used to be political sports didn't used to be political why does it have to be and why does our identity have to be uh, in your face and part of something that traditionally it hasn't been. It could just be a, a, a ground, a place that you could go where everyone could just get along and play the game. Garrick? Well, well, Michelle, I think as you always point out that everything comes back to the God story. I mean, it, it truly does. And if we um, don't have Christ is the center of our lives, which is truly where our, our real identity comes from, then we will be searching for identity. We will be searching for meaning. We will be searching for significance, whether it be in our work or in our relationships, in, in our sexuality. I mean, you name it. We will be looking to find identity somewhere. Yeah. And, and when those things and, shift and change... And you don't have that eternal identity, like with uh, Brother Brent there, uh, switching your whole life up, you know, without that, that 
I don't safety net uh, without that. People would say religion is a crutch. Jesus is a crutch. Well, if you if you're broken and you can't walk, uh, hello, I'll take the crutch. Thank you very much. You know, it's it, that's what really gets you through when your identity shifts, when the the sands of time shift, when everything goes cattywampus. So there you go. Let's get back to some sports talk, shall we? <laughs> I wanted to talk about the NHL. I'm kind of excited about this. They're going to be staging a couple of games outside in these outdoor settings. Um, actually, this weekend um, on the 18th fairway, if I have it right, of a, of a golf course. It'll be on the shores of Lake Tahoe. The Sierra Nevada mountains will be in the background. It's going to be gorgeous. And I think it's so cool because I am tired of fans in the can, in the can, right? Of the, it was cute <laughs> back, back last year when we had the little cardboard cutouts in the stands and even in the Super Bowl, that was okay. It was kind of, all right, we were trying to do something, but you know, now it's kind of getting old and stupid and we know it's not, it's like watching a bad sitcom with canned laughter. It just doesn't, it, it's, I don't care how good you are at it. doesn't match up. This is something innovative and new, good for them. They're, I think uh, Colorado and Vegas Boston and Philadelphia this weekend, uh, both outdoor games. Thoughts, guys? Well, the altitude will be fun for those guys in Tahoe, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, but uh, you know, yeah. it, it, it'll be interesting. I, I think I think it it's it's great for hockey um, because hockey is essentially an outdoor sport. I mean, that is where it originated. It's you know, basketball has always been an indoor sport. You know, baseball, I mean, I, I hate it when it's played indoors. And, you know, I RIP Kingdom for a long time now. But hockey is is one of those things that, that obviously in the league, it's hard to execute an outdoor game all the time. But, but these, you know, they've been doing it for a while, so they know how to do it outdoor games. But it just, I think, is great to show the, the, the sport at its – at its root, you know, where, where it came from. It'd be more fun if they, you know, did it out on Lake Superior or something out <laughs> on lake ice, uneven lake ice. With, but uh, no, I, I think it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think it's nice just to change it up a little bit. Use the, the time that we're in and do something innovative and different. Um, because I, I don't know, Josh, aren't you getting a little tired of the fan in the can, kind of the fake cheers and, and such? I don't know. It's old for me. I, did, I never yeah. liked it to begin with. You know, well, they did a good job in making games more watchable by by putting that sound in because otherwise it's it's hard to watch i loved hearing the guys on the field i loved hearing guys on the pitch and and hearing what they were I talking mean, about and then there were the yeah, f-bombs and that was kind of yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, the, the, the dead the, the silence though other than that is like it's just, it's hard to to get into that you know it's just like there's it feels like we could do a little bit better job than than that but i, I do think miss you're saying that I because it's been a while fans. since you've watched a game with me there's not dead silence <laughs> <laughs> well, well, any, any more cops when, to your apartment lately or you know, <laughs> this is funny for those, for those who don't know gosh yeah. i'm so embarrassed by this uh what game was that uh i think it was Sa oh, sounders the sounders, sounders semi, yeah semi-final yeah 
Oh, that was so sad. Uh, so yeah, that was uh, when they won. It was we when were, they won. Yeah, we were screaming. Oh, the, yes, yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I was so excited at that. Screaming, yelling, cheering. Uh, you know, get it, kill it, whatever. And some the neighbors thought someone was getting hurt, and they literally called the cops. <laughs> literally, the cops came. So, yeah, that's. Uh, someone want to take sorry josh i I blew up your point there but but i i love that idea of going outdoors with hockey because to me it just changes it's a change of scenery i mean i for those who have never experienced spring training ball um for for baseball um it, it is one of the coolest things because you're in a smaller venue you you got you're close up to the stars as in the the athlete athletes stars, but uh, but then and it's just so different. And hockey, uh, at least the NHL, has always been an indoor sport. And so if you have the right. venues and the places where you could do it in warm weather and the technology now, I mean, it used to be indoor. I think in part because hockey rinks. Um, the, the ice needed to stay cold. And so if you were outside in warm weather, you couldn't, but I, I think now it's possible. And, and it's, I just think it's really cool. I'm excited. Well, you mentioned baseball, spring training, whatever, all the excitement. I think it's time to talk a little baseball. Yes. Okay, Josh, come on. <laughs> you. Yeah, I think I think we're all missing baseball now. I mean, we had a short season. Now we're kind of waiting for it to begin. But hey, pitchers and catchers have reported spring training. We're on our way there. And the big news for the Mariners right now is the big maple coming back to Seattle. James Paxton, you might remember him for the Maple Grove cheering section that he inspired or the eagle that actually landed on his back <laughs> um, in the pregame was- one time. Uh, but he's coming back and he's going to add another big lefty. We are a little lefty heavy right now. I'll say that. I think four or five of our starting pitchers are probably lefties right now, but he, he, no problem there. It's funny (laughs) because now we've really won that trade we had with the, with the Yankees where we brought back justice Sheffield in exchange for uh, Paxton. Now Paxton's back. So really we won that trade pretty hard. Both of those guys in a rotation this year, but he adds another arm that, can win i mean he's dealt with a lot of injuries in his career which is really the reason he's back on a one-year deal but man this guy can be really really good he threw a no hitter for seattle mariners one of only a couple players to do so and he really gives us a chance to compete this year and it gives a lot of people think so i mean come on it's i'm so excited about that you know being a seattle-based girl josh you know we have for those who are listening that don't know the seattle mariners have the longest dry spell of not entering playoffs of any major league not just baseball major league sport we are at the bottom of the barrel we are the underdog it feels uh, it's almost painful in fact oh gosh okay you guys have to hear this as as you're listening from wherever if you don't live in seattle you don't know this i lived right by the stadium so i went to games all the time but when the the blue jays would show up what people would come down from Canada and it was like we were at a away game. There was like so many Canadians there. You know, it's just kind of Same thing with the Red Sox. 
when yeah. we play Boston. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then, it's yeah. Just, just now with the pandemic, they can't come down. So that's, oh, thank that's what, God that, for that. That's, that, that's the real, that's the real, the real conspiracy theory for me behind the pandemic. It's just to keep the Canadian, the Blue Jay so fans. Maybe the Mariners will have a shot, Josh. Yeah. Well, it, you know, they're in a really good position right now. Why? Because one, they're on the uptick. Their rebuild is starting to come to fruition. They're seeing a lot of their young players that they really have been cultivating and trading for start to get to the place where they're ready to play in the major leagues and look around the league. Who's the powerhouse team in, in the American league? Who's the who's the big dog that no one can ever touch? I mean, there's some good teams out there. Don't get me wrong, but there's no powerhouse that just dominates over here right now. You know, and, and look in our division, how things are going. The Astros lost a couple of key players this year that they're, and I don't know if they're going to be able to compete the same way that they had before. The A's were the other good team, and they they've lost a bunch of their players. Uh, the Rangers are in the middle of their own rebuild. They're not really good, so you know we have a real chance to actually even win the division and get to the playoffs. I don't know that I don't think that we're going to compete for a world series in 2021, but I think we have a good shot with the team we have of making the playoffs now remains to be seen what they do. I mean, there may, we may come to the terms that like, Hey, you know what? We want one more year of, you know, good draft picks one more year of getting these guys experience and maybe just kind of tickling the playoffs. They might trade James Paxson if he pitches really well at the deadline, since he's on that one year deal. And, you know, he rebuilds his, his value. And then he ends up going somewhere else. We bring back even more prospects and more. I mean, we're already by some accounts, the third best farm system in the league. No one, everyone else in the AL West for the record is I believe 25th or below in those rankings from baseball America. So it's, we are in a great position to compete. And this year, I think there's a good chance that we sneak into the playoffs, but by 2022, watch out for this team, man. As we get these guys coming up, Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, Jared Kelnick, Julio Rodriguez, some of these guys that have real star potential. I mean, this is more future potential than the Mariners have ever seen, except for like maybe with Ken Griffey Jr., right? But I mean, how many other guys were really, were they really so, looking? Yeah, Jr. Was, Jr. was on his own. He didn't have a whole group exactly. coming up with him. Yeah. We, had we, we have guys like we Julio had... Rodriguez. Well, I mean, that was not someone coming up. That was a you're overseas right, signing, right? right? right. Yeah. Someone, like how, right. when is our farm system look this good? I mean, Julio okay, Rodriguez, okay, yeah, people right. are seeing him as being a potential Ken Griffey Jr. type player. Like they're seeing some real potential in these guys and multiple guys. We have three or four outfielders alone that are projecting in the top 100, you know, that are top guys. And we already have brought some of them up. <laughs> so you got to be excited for where this team is heading. Stay fast. I mean, if we trade people away at the deadline, don't think that it's because we're taking another step back. It's because people like James Paxton are on a one-year deal, or maybe Nick Margavichus, who is not necessarily a top of the rotation guy. We're like, Hey, you know what? We have better players coming up. We're making room for them and getting prospects. This is going to be the last year where you're going to be seeing some of that happen. You heard it Josh, here. Josh, thank Josh, about 2022. It. You, you nailed Margavichus. I, I am really impressed that was awesome <laughs> sad thing though no, guys, practice. if we all yeah. die of of the coronavirus before 2022 the mariners will never have gotten their shot oh man no i i, I am so I, i'm so pumped because it's it's clear that they have focused on a long <clears throat> competing long term um mm -hmm. as a top team they're not there yet 
They've got a lot of development to do. They're, they're you know, not all of these prospects are going to pan out. It'd be awesome right. if they did, but at some well, point, even embarrassment they, of them, right? Like ex- you got to exactly. hit on some of them, but you got it. You'll hit, you'll hit on some of them. And then that's when you start making it, you know, more significant free agent signings is where you, where you find out where some of those longer term holes are. You know, I think I'm excited about James Paxton being back. They've been talking about going with a six man rotation again this year, um, mm-hmm. largely because, you know, pitchers only threw a third of the innings last year than they're accustomed to. And the minor leaguers didn't get any, any in game work. So um, if you think about a perfect situation for Paxton, where his, his innings load will be managed. Um, he's familiar with the environment with, with many of the coaches, um, some of the players, there's been a lot of turnover, but, um, and people are, you know, will be welcoming him back. And, Everybody here is familiar with his injury history. Um, so I, I, that's it, great. I, I'm just be interested to see if we get deeper into spring training, if Taiwan Walker is still out there, if they make a play for him, or if Paxton is that veteran signing they were looking to make and they, and they call it good. Because um, you know, they, they talked about Taiwan Walker last year when they traded him for prospects to Toronto, that he would be welcome back here because his contract was up at the end of the year. But you know, we'll see. Yeah, I, I think I I'm torn on a Taiwan Walker's. <laughs> you don't want to yeah, stand. Right. A, you don't want to stand in the way of a Logan Gilbert. You know, no. I right. And you got to think that if they sign Taiwan Walker, I mean, then you're kind of forced to relegate Dunn and Margavages to the bullpen. You know, mm-hmm. You're going to run out of room where you can play these guys. And I don't expect Logan Gilbert to come up before a little later in the year because of them trying to make sure they have enough time with him and, you know, the service time. And when, when they start, there's always a little bit of playing with that to make sure they have him through the prime of his career under the, that rookie contract. Right. And they might end up signing him to more, but if they sign Taiwan Walker, they they start blocking guys, but they can really compete and he would really slide in very well to this rotation because they need another right-handed arm. You know, so I'm I'm torn on that because I like it and I don't like it all at the same time. <laughs> it's but a nice problem like to have. A, a method to the madness there, you guys. I I learn a lot from your perspectives in baseball because baseball is not my primary sport. I think Garrick's back there going, "Yeah, me too, probably." Right, but I will say I really I love going to baseball games and I'm really really missing it. There's something special about you know for me here in Seattle going h- hanging out at Edgar's. Uh, sitting there with a hot dog and you go with a friend because baseball is slow when i go to a to a mls match garrick you know i'm not having small talk and i try not to sit around uh, forgive me girls i try not to sit around women that i know because they're kind of chatty and it's like look i really want to see what's going on because there's that (laughs) constant action but for me and girls you may get this too going to a baseball game with the girls you know we sit we chat you know it's a it's a great place to really connect with friends i don't know that's a woman's perspective what do you guys what do you guys say well i know for me it it is just the environment and if i want to watch if i want to watch a baseball game and really see what's going on i sit at home and watch tv because when I go to the game, <laughs> I, and I'm, I'm dead serious, 100%, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. because you, you get the commentary, you can see the replays, yeah. you, you, you see the pitch speeds and things like that. Whereas if I'm at a game 
there's a lot going on. I have ADD, um, you know, and, and I'm just <laughs> loving being, I mean, I, you're there for the I, Seattle dogs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, the chili lime, the, the chili lime crickets. Sorry. I don't go there, Crunchy. but, but there's just <laughs> something about it. And, you know, when I was a kid, I loved going to the kingdom because it was just fun. But when we got outdoor baseball, Oh my yeah, goodness. It, it oh. was, there was just, there's nothing like it. There's and, nothing uh, like it. You don't have to be a big baseball fan to appreciate how amazing it is to go to a game. Are we going to get a chance to do that this year though? Well, you know, some of those old kingdom crowds yes. would be, would be very coronavirus friendly when they were getting what 8,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of the reasons. Baseball to me, when you, when you go to a game, I it's I one of the great things about it is it's a game that you can go to with someone who's a huge fan or someone who's not a fan at all. And like you said, you end up talking with your friends and you can be talking about the chili lime crickets on one side and the other side, you're having these deep strategic baseball discussions about, okay, what are they going to throw on this? You know, is he leading out too far? Is he going to steal? Are they going to do a hit and run? Are they going to bunt or should they, uh, what do you think about the shift? Is it out of control? You know, all that kind of stuff. So there's, you know, baseball is one of those games that looks simple on the surface, but there's a lot of nuance to it that you can really get into when you're sitting there and can see the whole field and just watch how outfielders move around as, you know, between pitches and as they see what pitch is thrown, just that kind of stuff. So it can okay, be, okay, Brent, it can be, come on over. Can, I'll take you to a game. All there right. There you go. There I, you go. I need, I need a little bit of your input. Uh, when I'm watching baseball. <laughs> I, I, here's a Brent Baker challenge. How many times today can you fit in the, the, the title <laughs> chili lime crickets? <laughs> He's got two. I, He's got two. How many times more times today? Can you fit? I last went to a, I went to a, I went to a game three years ago and I ate one. So that'll tell you how how big it went over. Yeah, and I okay. had two. I you ate two. Big, I ate two big flats. A, I ate two big yeah. flats of garlic fries though. You have to ch <laughs> yeah. challenge me to work it into a sermon now. Oh come on! <laughs> yes. yes, yes, do it. We challenge you guys, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Your mission, should you choose to accept it. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Hey, let's talk soccer for a moment. I can get behind this. I was watching the She Believes uh, Cup. The U.S. women's national team yesterday took on Canada. And, you know, Canada hasn't won against the U.S. women's national team, I believe, in almost 20 years. I think uh, – I, I want to say it was 2001, maybe. So uh, we're looking at 20 years. And I may have that wrong because I'm pulling that out of my head. We usually have our sports encyclopedia guy, Rich Hallstrom, who will just instantly correct us on that. Yes, it was there. And this was what the weather was like. And yeah, whatever. Uh, but oh my gosh, yesterday, Canada was putting up a fight. And uh, I think it was the 79th minute. I, I think I wrote it down somewhere, the 79th minute um, where the U.S. scored to win. But that whole time, Canada put them off. The U.S. just couldn't connect with the net. It wasn't that they were playing bad. I think it was that Canada was playing good. So that was that was pretty exciting. Yeah, it, it's, it's nice to see 
some teams finally being able to compete with the U.S. women's national team because they are such a you kind of just expect a yeah you expect you know seven seven goals and you're like "Uh," so it was fun actually fun to watch so that that was that was pretty neat I think some uh, here's a sweet side note uh Megan Rapino FaceTimed with the squads they kind of um they kind of have a new mascot, so to speak. It's the the baby of Ashlyn Harris, who's a goalkeeper, and Allie Krieger, who is a defender. They they adopted a baby, and I just I think it's kind of precious that uh, you know we see Megan Rapino as this you know big, loud, larger than life politics in your face, um, and that's okay to talk about. But I think we would be remiss in sh- not showing that. People are more than just their politics and not just show she's a, she is a kicking player and she's a, a, a in, in many regards, a beautiful human as well. So wanted to get that out there, but major league soccer is going to be starting up. What is it? April 3rd, Garrick. Yeah. Um, I, I think I, I haven't looked at the schedule exactly, but uh, yeah, it, it's, it, it's, it's back, you know, last year we had the pandemic start of the season. So, so we had the MLS's back tournament and so MLS is back in full swing. And so whether or not, you know, the whole yeah, but a little late, it, better late than never. I don't know, but I'm kind of, you yeah. know, this time of the year, we'd already been, would have already been at at least one game, maybe two. Um, well, no, it's February, so we'd we'd still be in preseason. We would be in preseason, yeah. you're right, because we're looking yeah. at March. I'm I'm like a month ahead, but you, we, we'd already well, and and as a as a reporter, I'd already be there seeing right. the guys yeah, playing. So I yeah. guess that's what's in my mind. You know, I really miss that being able to look at things, see how they're gelling together, what's going to happen. But at least we're getting things up and moving. Any other thoughts on on things? going on in the world of sports I and mean, we've got the 20 year anniversary of dale eckhart's uh death right there on the track um side story to that media uh was on it like uh paparazzi on princess die it was it was kind of it was kind of <laughs> gross in a way it was kind of macabre um but you know the the media hasn't changed <laughs> 20 years they've been almost gotten more license uh maybe some other news out there what do you, what, do you, what do you guys got what you got what you i got? will say you know uh, the dale earnhardt thing um that it was really interesting because i was not in a position to be covering something like that. But in the town that we lived, we had a couple of a father and son who was like their first NASCAR race that they went to was that, and they had gotten, um, you could get, uh, it probably is even more advanced now, but at the time you could get like the audio feed from, from various drivers, if you wanted to listen during the race while you're there. And they had Dale Earnhardt's audio feed. They were like huge fans of his. So, I mean, they were like, you know, the the kid was like 15 or whatever. And, and I remember, so I actually ended up doing a story on, but I just remember talking to them and just like their whole, their whole experience of going through that as a father and son together. And of course, Dale Jr. was there um, when his dad was killed and just kind of just how that impacted these guys because it was much more personal than just seeing it on TV because they, they, they heard, they heard things going on and then he was gone. And 
man, it was for, for something I didn't like care about that much. It was really impactful. Of course. You know, I mean, I didn't, it was like, it was, oh man, that's really sad that this guy died. But then after talking to these guys, it was like, oh my goodness, this is really personal. <clears throat> I think that's part of it. If we want to get to a deeper story too, that's part of what's going on in our world today. We don't have that personal connection anymore and we've removed it so much more so with, with COVID. So some of the traumas, the tragedy, and even the uh, disagreements that we have, it's not quite real. If I'm going to attack you on your politics or your faith or whatever it may be, guys, um, it's pretty easy to do it on Facebook and other social media outlets in ways that I would never behave if we were face to face ever in a million years. So we see that with with sports and other things. It's not real. Our world has become surreal. And I think it's time for us to find ways that we really can connect with people, connect 101, because we're really in need of that as we play the game of life. That's my opining for the day. Are you guys ready to take your final shot? I'm ready. Final shot. Our final shot where we go around the round table and we just give a shout out for an idea, a person, a story that is near and dear to us that we want you to know about. So we're going to start with the one and only Joshua McMillan, our sports authority, who, by the way, you can find him on Twitter at Josh Reports Live. Tweet him. He's such a tweet heart. <laughs> Thank you. Um one thing I wanted to make my final shot to is one we forgot last week, or I actually thought someone else was going to take it as their final shot. So I didn't want to steal the thunder, but uh, Marty Schottenheimer, uh, the father of our former offensive coordinator, he passed away uh, last week. And I, I believe it was Alzheimer's that got him, if I don't remember right. Um, but you know, he was things, a, but yeah, yeah he, he was a great figure. Awesome coach. Um, by all accounts, a great guy. I mean, obviously I've never met him, but from all accounts that I've ever heard of Marty Schartenheimer's, he's re well-respected by pretty much everyone in the league. So, uh, you know, our thoughts and prayers to his family and, you know, Brian Schottenheimer, you know, we yeah. loved him here for his time in Seattle and you know he's going through a hard time now with a transition happening and then his dad dying, you got to feel for him. But, uh, so thoughts and prayers out to his family. Absolutely. Uh, Brent. Final shot, sir. Well, here in Washington State, our high school athletes are returning to sports. Football practice started this week. Um, everything else, including my cross-country team, uh, comes back on Monday. So I just, uh, you know, as a coach, I have no clue what to expect. I mean, I know in my sport, kids have been out running on their own, but it's it's going to be really interesting because a lot of these kids haven't been physically active for a year. Oh my. And so, <laughs> I didn't you know, think about that. Oh, you know, oh. some of, some of them have been, and I, but I think, okay. you know, it's both a <laughs> shout out and a prayer for, you know, as this, this whole situation, as we bring them back, we still have pandemic guidelines, but we'll be getting kids together. We'll have to be socially distancing them. We'll be able to get some physical activity in they'll be able to compete they'll be able to build some memories besides sitting at home waiting for this to end so i'm both looking forward to it and a little nervous about it 
but that's my shout out. There you go. Yeah, I think many of us haven't been terribly physically active for a year, you know, or as much as we should. Uh, I'm not Garrick- sure I could walk our cross country course right now. So. <laughs> Garrick, I'm going to save you for last because you're in Italy. So for that time delay, I'll go ahead and go. Um, I wanted to give a final shot, a shout out to Shaquem Griffin. He's a Seahawk player. He was born with amniotic band syndrome, which um, made him have to get his left hand amputated when he was just just four years old. Um, I wanted to point out that that guy, you know, has overcome a lot to be a professional football player. And he said he and his brother both really good guys. It's good to see the love on the sideline uh, from Shaquille and Shaquem. But Shaquem um, partnered with Hartford. They have an ability equipment program, and they provided a couple of special athletes with some pretty game-changing equipment. Um, if I remember right, he um, he gave uh, like certain certain uh, folks that have that you would say have disabilities just things that, in order to play the games better. One was real a little older, one was a little younger. But here's the thing: uh, he says we don't have disability. There's only ability. And so for whoever you are, where you feel like you fall short or where, you know, you're not winning in the game of life, God made you so special and so amazing. You have abilities that he's gifted you with. You find those abilities and you will have a win in life's game. All right. We are now ready to get panged. Right. So uh, we talked about MLS earlier, and one of the things that came out this week was the MLS Top 10. And each year, uh, Greg Seltzer, brother of Alka, um, has has this list of top 10. You didn't get my joke, did you? Um, (laughs) (laughs) This is what happens. Where's the canned laughter? Where's the canned fans? It's it's in I'm, translation. You're coming from Italy. Sorry about that. It's lost in translation. So that was definitely a dad joke. Because uh, <laughs> we were going through the Frankfurt airport and my son wanted a hot dog and um, he had one. It was the, the worst. Um, oh! <laughs> so I'm this is what happens when I get... 45 minutes of sleep in a 27 hour period. <laughs> so, but we've the, been the seeing MLS, some of the effects of that too. <laughs> yeah. The MLS top 10 list came out and on it was Seattle's very own number seven, Christian Roldan. Oh. And that young man, I just, he's a I love sweet him. man, sweet he, guy. He is, he is hardworking. He is humble. He is um, and, newly and, married. And, newly married um, one of the and, and I think this this is kind of a knock-on um, final shot because Oswaldo Alonso is the person that that he watched and played mm-hmm. next to and that and guy was, is, is set the standard Ozzy set did. the standard I set the and standard I think Christian mm. is is in part the player that he is today because he had that opportunity but um, but he he gets my final shot today. And, and if I may, I want to give another final shot. I'm, I'm doing a double shot today. Double shot. <laughs> he needs it with the lack of sleep. Yeah, yeah. right? 
Quad. <laughs> Let's go for the quad shot. <laughs> okay, I will. Because my wife, Anna, um, she is the most amazing person that I know. I mean, she truly is. Um, and, you know, we have been planning this trip to Italy uh, before Christmas and COVID made it so that we... We left Seattle on Saturday and... Um, and so we knew this big storm was coming in. So we thought we were gonna outsmart the storm. We stayed at a hotel on Friday night and sure enough, we did. We didn't have any trouble getting to the airport, but then bump, 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 delay, delay, delay. And we left Seattle when our flight from San Francisco was supposed to be flying over to Europe. Well, it took us the three hours in the airport to try and rebook for Tuesday. Oh. Well, the airline messed up our ticket. Finally, we got, I mean, and one day I was on the phone 14 hours, literally 14 hours on the phone trying to get rebooked. And uh, we finally got out here. We left on Thursday in, C in uh, San Francisco and we just made it to Naples, Italy. And my wife is, she's just so awesome. She's been patient and, and gracious and um, she's just incredible and her family here. Oh, this meal, I'm, I'm actually gonna go back downstairs and finish the meal because I was eating oh, when it was- My stomach's growling. I love hey, Italian to, food. What are you eating? We're, we're gonna have to put together a workout recovery plan when you get back. I know, right? <laughs> 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 Her brother-in-law made these his own homemade sausages. Um, you know, the, not sausages, but the um, like the the dried meats. Um, like I a ch think. charcuterie board kind of a thing. Um, of yeah. salamis and salamis. Thank you. All right, those, all right, all right. Of things and and he's got yeah mozzarella de bufala. I mean, it, it is fresh and um, and smoked. And, and these fresh breads that are, oh, just to die for. And so, so my final, that, that was a, a quadruple shot. And there. you're, and you're bringing, you're bringing some home for us, right? Because you value your yeah. friendship. Okay. That's good. <laughs> and, and as we wrap up the program today, don't forget the Brent Baker challenge. And that is how many times can you have chili lime crickets brought up in conversation today? That's the word of the day, the phrase of the day, chili lime crickets. Chili also lime go, crickets. go to brentbaker.com and get this book. I'm telling you. Brent R. Baker. Brent R. Baker. Brent R. Baker. Breaking Yesterday is such an extraordinary book. It is great. If you if you like sci-fi, you'll love it. If you don't like sci-fi, you're still going to love the adventure. I mean, you've just got it's something for everyone in there. It's really well written. I love it. And hey, guys, thanks so much for joining us today for our sports timeout. Uh, we will catch you next week. Have a great weekend. Play ball. It's the My Michelle Live podcast. My, 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 my Michelle Live. My Michelle Live. Sports timeout. Yeah, the thanks, band, guys. The field, the faith, the fun. Derek, For more fun, go to MyMichelleLive.com.